Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Rehumanize podcast. Herb Garrity here, back on the Rehumanized podcast. Today I am joined by Sherilyn Holloway, the founder of a new organization called Pro Black Pro Life. <laughs> Welcome, Sherilyn. So, just first off the bat, what is the mission of Pro Black Pro Life? Um, the mission of Pro Black Pro Life is to reach inside the Black community and to sit knee to knee and talk about the systemic issues that they face on a daily basis, while also introducing them to the issue of life and abortion that's also happening in our community. And I just believe that in order to do that, we have to build trust and they have to understand that we are for them and not against them, um, but that they recognize that abortion is something that's happening in our community to us and not for us. Mm -hmm. So I think the listeners of the Rehumanized podcast uh, typically would, I would say, know what it means to be pro-life. But I think that pro-black might be new to some of them. Um, So could you just talk a little bit about what that means to you? What, how... How do you be pro-black? Yeah, I think that the pro-life movement has done an excellent job of polarizing mm-hmm. and keeping out the black community as terms as talking about racism outside of abortion. And so the term pro-black just says that we are for the advancement of the black community in, at every stage of life. And saying that is really in camaraderie with what they're already seeing with Black Lives Matter and the other issues that they're facing, but also saying that I'm also pro-life. And so you can be both. You don't have, being pro-life does not put you in a box that says that you're a bunch of other things. Being pro-life stands alone, just like being pro-black stands alone. Um, And more so being pro-black doesn't mean that we're anti-white. It just means that we focus on the issues that are in my community in order to bring them full circle and understanding what it means to support whole life. You mentioned the the sort of mainstream traditional pro-life movement. Can we talk a little bit about where you think the pro-life movement as it is now sort of succeeds and fails when it comes to reaching the black community? I think the pro-life movement succeeds at reaching the black community with their pregnancy centers. I think pregnancy centers have missions to reach all abortion-minded women, and they desperately want to reach even outside of their community. Um, And so I feel like in that situation, they are completely whole life. They understand the importance. Um, But I think the pro-life message has been construed as a political message. And when we do that, we really um, polarize and keep people outside of the movement because if I'm not pro-Trump Republican, then I can't be pro-life. Or if I say I'm pro-life, then people are going to automatically think I'm those things. Mm -hmm. And we have not done a great job of saying, no, 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 pro-life is just a part of what your beliefs are. And it does not mean any of the other things. Just like when I say I'm pro-black doesn't mean that I don't believe that other image bearers matter. It just means that this is 
the the part of my community that I'm relating to that is struggling right now and that they need help. And I think that the pro-life movement has failed us in the terms of really not allowing that messaging in by saying that we're not talking about that. We need to have this narrative that says just this one thing on um, abortion and the abortion commute and the abortion industry and not allowing for the other experience of black people to come in and to help shape that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I would say that some as someone who I, I've I've tried to be a supporter of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I try to be knowledgeable on these issues, um, but I'm also very active within the traditional pro-life movement, I've definitely seen that. Um, I've seen my sort of what I see as an innocuous Twitter post, just hashtag Black Lives Matter, something that I think is, you know, an obvious thing to say, can come across to certain people within the the wider conservative movement especially, um, but also the pro-life movement as you know, an attack against them in some way or an attack against white people or an attack against um, their values. And I think for me, I, I have a hard time sort of bridging that gap because I don't, I think there's, I think that we're talking past each other a lot of the time. I think that in the way that when I say I'm pro-life and then all my, you know, fellow left-leaning LGBT friends assume that I, that means that I'm a bigot and that I'm with Donald Trump on all of his policies. Um, the same thing sort of happens when I say Black Lives Matter. Pro-lifers think that that means that, you know, I'm a Planned Parenthood clinic escort and I support the Democratic Party um, or I'm, I'm Antifa. Uh, sort of all these things that they... Um, you know, uh, have, have major issues with. And I think that it's so important for people like you who can be a representative of sort of both sides of this very polarized debate to say, no, these aren't in conflict at all. In fact, these go together. That's, you know, I'm, I'm pro-black because I'm pro-life. I'm pro-life because I'm pro-black. Um, they don't, contradict each other at all and I think I think it's so important that people you know with your message get that across um, because without the black community we're not going to win this fight <laughs> with without the black community even if you know abortion is illegal we're still going to be losing yeah. you know how how many millions of black children every year how many black women are going to be hurt so I think that this message is is so crucial yeah and i think that the thing is that we as humans love to put people in a box right putting people in a box putting people in care in categories make us feel better about ourselves because then we feel like we know how to treat people like if i agree with you on this or i agree i know how to treat you instead of just looking at it from a grand scheme of of like i'm just going to treat everyone with kindness and love and and really take time to hear what they have to say instead of feeling like everything is in defensive attack on my beliefs 
if you are a Christ follower and you believe that we are all image bearers, then you should believe that Black Lives Matter. That's not to say that you have signed up and are donating to the Black Lives Matter organization because we're talking about two totally different things. No one owns the phrase <laughs> Black Lives Matter. Yeah. You can say Black Lives Matter without being a Marxist. Like you can say it, it's fine. Um, and you can saying that doesn't mean that other people don't matter. But what we're talking about right now is this point in particular that the pro-life movement has continued to talk about over and over and over again is the abortion rate in the black community. Mm -hmm. If you are going to continue to make this point over and over and over again, then be prepared to talk about all the other issues. If you want my community to respond to your efforts to teach them that this is genocide, that Margaret Sanger was racist, that the whole entire abortion industry was built on racism, then you have to wrap it around your brain that the banking industry, the healthcare industry, the housing industry, all those things too were also built on systemic racism. Mm. Like, and that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with those on a daily basis. And what you are communi communicating to my community is we only care about this one thing. We mm -hmm. only see racism this one way. And we're not gonna listen to that. And so when you wonder know why we're not showing up, it's because we don't trust you. Mm -hmm. We don't trust you because you're not listening to us. You're not listening to our experiences. When a man has a knee on his neck for eight minutes and 47 seconds, the first thing you go to is his like arrest record. Like at what point in time does that even matter? Because you're telling me that my child in the womb has rights. It's an innocent child and it has rights. So if this person has an arrest record, all of a sudden they lose these rights. Like it's a conflict, mm -hmm. you know, and I just feel like that is where the pro-life movement continues to really disable their voice in my community, really discredit anything that they would ever have to say and allows people to say, I'm going to continue to vote this way. I'm going to continue to speak this way because this group over here clearly doesn't care about me. Like they won't even address the issue. Every time an issue comes up, they defer to black on black crime or they defer to like what criminal thing this person does. Or it's always like, well, what? oh, they were shot in their car at point, point blank range by a police officer. Well, what did they do? Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose if they didn't try to shoot the police officer, what matter does what difference does it make? Mm -hmm. Like they nothing really makes sense at that point that would take that person's life. And that's what as pro-lifers we're trying to communicate to the women in the black community when they're going to Planned Parenthood, they're going to the abortion clinic, like whatever you're dealing with right now, it's fine. You can get over it. Just bring this baby earth side. But that once that baby becomes an actual living, breathing child, then we're like, eh, thank you. Thank you for doing that for us. Now, if they die at the hands of the police or they die at the hands of, you know, a healthcare system from infant mortality or they die at the hands of, you know, poverty or be from, from growing up in the ghetto from redlining, none of that really matters to us. What matters is, is that we're no longer aborting these babies in the womb but we are killing them outside of the womb. And that's what they're hearing. And so I feel like the pro-life movement being a movement that has tried to shape a narrative in a way that they thought that was gonna be powerful if everybody was saying the same thing at the same time, 
did not understand that unity is not uniformity. That in a way to make sure that we all come together does not mean that we all have to be saying the exact same thing at the exact same time. That we can all be moving in the exact same direction in different lanes, talking to different people. And sometimes those la- those people will intersect lanes, but we're all moving to the same goal that life matters. It is important and we value it. Absolutely. I think uh, sort of what you were talking about reminded me of a great meme that I saw recently that I just learned today you made. Um, you, it, it was a viral meme. It went all over the, the pro-life community, um, especially within the sort of consistent life ethic pro-life community. But the, this idea, it was very well communicated in a meme, but um, this idea that pro-lifers believe that racism exists but only in abortion and pro-choicers believe that racism exists in everything except for abortion um and i think that you know i i i overuse the word inconsistent i think (laughs) but it's just so inconsistent um we we can recognize the reality um especially for for those of us who i would say believe in the concept of systemic racism and also think that it is bad um that it it's so obviously so obviously backed by data is both present in all of those systems that you mentioned whether it's healthcare or especially criminal justice or um sort of all of these these systems in in business in the way our economy is structured uh from slavery until today um that's it so obviously is also present in the abortion industrial complex that it wouldn't be doesn't even make sense considering what we know about American history. Yes. Yeah. And I think that it's really amazing to me that, that for one, that that post went viral. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was, you were sort of first starting this project and immediately everyone was talking about you. And so I remember I made that comment a couple of times, like a year ago, just in conversation with something like this is, it just baffled me that, I would have this conversation with people and when I would talk about abortion and racism, they would just have this blank stare like, no, like we need that access. Or when I would talk about racism, aside from abortion, they're like, no, well, we're past that. We're past racism in America. Like we had a black president, like there was no racism, like it's just abortion. This is the only place. And I'm just, I was just so (laughs) struck by that. Like, wow, like this is a real thing. And it was actually uh, Destiny De La Rosa that said to me, like, you, you really need to put make a meme of that. And I'm like, I'm not a graphic designer. Like, I can talk a lot, but I can't, <laughs> I'm not putting anything in a meme. And so when I t- began to work on my social media posting and I had Choose Life Marketing that was actually working on the graphics and I was like can you here's what I want to say and um our graphic designer like that was attempt number one <laughs> and I was like oh my gosh this is perfect and um I didn't expect it to go viral <laughs> I really didn't but I think that the fact that it went viral would just attest to this idea that it this is the message that we've been getting the message is so inconsistent and that people are recognizing it like wait a minute Because when I have the conversation one-on-one and I say to people that have never thought about abortion, uh, 
having to do with systemic racism and we talk about it and we talk about the numbers and we talk about the founder and we talk about the documents they're like oh it makes perfect sense mm -hmm. or when i talk to um history teachers or uh professors of africana studies and i say like did you know this and they look at me like i they're like of course we knew that like this is history like this is well documented history and anyone who denies this it's just denying the facts mm -hmm. um and that's what it really boils down to like regardless of what side you're on you're just denying the facts the facts that these things were put in place and we have not this is not something we can just go in and tweak a couple things and fix regardless if it's systemic racism and all the other issues or systemic racism and abortion we just can't walk in and tweak a couple things and fix it we've tried that we've tried that with diversity and inclusion programs we tried that with with, you know, um, sensitivity programs. Mm -hmm. You can't just go in and tweak a couple things. You have to tear the system down and rebuild it. Like, that's what pro the problem is. If we're talking about the Rockefellers or other family and generations of people that have perpetuated this over years that are in charge of our banking systems and our housing systems and our prison systems, we have to go in and tear those down and restructure them because regardless of how many generations we are removed from it, this is still family upbringing family teaching family ingrainness of like this is the way we're supposed to think that there is white supremacy and maybe that's not what what grandpa called it mm -hmm. you know maybe grandpa called it preserving our family history or lineage or future like this is what we have to do and so you believe that you're doing something that's very um um model and helpful to your family um but really what you're doing is perpetuating white supremacy. And so we have to go in and be willing to tear these systems down and say, okay, let's stop advocating for the Hyde Amendment to be um, appealed. And let's figure out why is it that a woman feels like our society is so hostile that she would rather kill her unborn child than to bring it into this world? What have we created that would make a woman feel like that? Like, that's the question we should be asking. Mm -hmm. Not, oh, well, this is economic. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Because if we are 70 years removed from the suffrage movement, why is it that our corporations, that are our um, universities, don't have childcare? Why don't we have maternal housing? Why, if we're so strong as women, so strong as uh, bringers of a life, why haven't we demanded this? Mm -hmm. These are the things that we should be working to demand. There's not a woman in the United States of America who finds herself pregnant prior to entering medical school that should have to make the decision whether to bring her child into this world or abort because she won't be able to start medical school. Mm -hmm. This is 2020. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That medical school should have free child care and a place for her to live with that child. Period. Because if we care about women... And what they're able to do, the superpower, whether you decide to use it or not, the superpower that you have of bringing forth life, that's the thing we should be fighting for. We shouldn't be fighting for wanting to be more like men in a way that I should not have to have this baby if I don't want to because, or I, I can't advance in my career. Mm -hmm. It's 2020. Mm -hmm. Like if you, you should be able to advance in your career with your baby by your side. Mm -hmm. Like this is crazy. Absolutely. Something that I, that I always say from I, I have come from a more left-wing uh, perspective is that abortion is 
a tool of the capitalist class. It's very uh, common for pro-life feminists to be talking about how, you know, abortion perpetuates and is a tool of patriarchy. But in addition, your boss benefits when you get an abortion. Absolutely. The CEO of whatever company you're working for benefits if he doesn't have to pay maternity leave. Absolutely. If he doesn't need to deal with the health care that that child is going to take from now on. And our society has decided that we value, of course, the male the male normative body that can't get pregnant. Yep. And our society values those bosses and CEOs' profits over life, bringing yep. new life into the world, or at least not snuffing life out yep. that already is in this world. Absolutely. And it's, to me, so important to, to get this message out, not just to the left, because I think that um, the left and the people within the Democratic Party, um, obviously many African Americans <laughs> involved in both of those groups, um, it's important to get this message to them, but it's also vitally important to get this message to the pro-life movement yeah. so that they will shut up when we're talking about these issues. Yeah. Because without these perspectives, without you know, being able to talk to, to abortion minded people in the language that they understand, we're not going to be able to reach them. You know, a, a conservative Christian might be completely right when he's talking about family values and, you know, responsibility and, you know, everything that you, you can imagine, um, you know, a white conservative Christian man telling a woman why she should keep her pregnancy um, and not abort her child. You know, I, I probably agree with most of what he's saying, but if you're not able to speak to her in a language that she understands, if you're not able to speak to her and let her know that you're able to help her because you understand the injustices she faces every day and you're working with her to tear down those systems of injustice, you're not going to be able to reach them. And it's so important, I think, for the wider pro-life movement to make space for voices like yours so that so that we can reach everyone. You know, something that, again, I say a lot is that we're not going to end abortion if we don't have everyone on board. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I think, you know, I, this is the Rehumanized podcast, so I only talk about <laughs> things that I think are important, but it is so important. <laughs> um, I, I say it over and over again, but it it's so necessary to make sure that we are, you know, giving a platform to, you know, women of color, particularly black women of color. Um, I always am excited for atheist black women of color um, <laughs> because, you know, it, it, you're, you're a Christian, but, um, you know, we, we need people who resemble um, both ideologically and, and also physically the abortion-minded population yeah. because that is who is most effective at reaching them. Yeah, and I will say that, like, I am... Um, Christian, I was born and raised Christian, but this was never talked about in my church. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't come to my beliefs from a biblical standpoint until after, um, years after, <laughs> where I realized like, oh, wait, it's in the Bible too? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it was really just me, my own struggles after my abortion, feeling like something wasn't 
right and the decisions I made after that of feeling like just my self-worth was so low and I couldn't understand why I thought I was in control but I wasn't in control like it was just there was it was so messy mm -hmm. so so messy and it wasn't until I was in my 30s where I realized like wait let, let's go back and let's revisit these other these choices that I made and see where things could have kind of gotten the wires could have gotten tangled and I realized it was during my abortions that I've you know I have two prior abortion choices one when I was 15 and one when I was ab about 29 and um I didn't realize it at the time. And when I was 29, I knew I was wrong. I knew what I was doing. I had already had two kids and um, I knew exactly what I was doing. No one had to tell me like, oh, it's no big deal. It's a clump of cells. I've brought these clump of cells earthside. Mm -hmm. Like I know the possibility. Um, so I knew what I was doing. And after that, I knew I needed help. I needed some type of healing. And through that is when I began to be able to process and really kind of understand that as women there is a deeper connection when we are pregnant something begins to happen from our mind to our heart to our body that is not something that can be explained it's not it's not necessarily that you feel this feeling of motherhood because that's a lie um, but there's something else chemically and emotionally happen that when it's gone that those things don't go away. And I felt lied to. And I felt like I wanted to warn women. Like that was my, like, I want to warn women that if you make this choice, it will not go away. Um, if you make this choice, this choice will not keep you from your behavior. Like you can say like, oh, I promise. Like if I make this choice, I will change. It's not, this is not the defining factor. And actually this is going to make you feel worse. And this is going uh, to potentially have you making other decisions that you will not connect until maybe even 10, 15 years down the road. Um, and so that's what brought me into the movement initially was like my own experience and wanting to warn women like I, if you make that decision I will still be here when you're done but please understand it does not erase it thing it just will not just go away um, you will then begin to have to deal with other things and you know I also feel like when we talk about the pro-life movement and we talk about systemic racism and we talk about even the whole life issue that people in the movement that don't feel like that is their necessary call right whether you're in apologetics or you are just advocating for you know just that baby in the womb that's okay mm -hmm. it's okay you're not wrong mm -hmm. like i'm not saying that you're wrong i'm not saying that your call is not your call but then don't feel like me being pro-black and pro-life is wrong because it doesn't match what you're doing. You know, I should, what I'm doing should not offend you in any way. It should not make you feel like I'm threatening you in any way. Mm -hmm. Like there are plenty of people that can do apologetics around and around and around me. And as being someone who's pro-life would still not be able, to be able to keep up because that's not my call. That doesn't mean that because I'm pro-black and pro-life that your call is unnecessary. Like, no, we need you too. Like, we need all of the pieces to the puzzle to bring this forth. And you said this today, Herb, in your speech. Like, we need everybody. Mm -hmm. We need all of the voices. And I think that it's interesting that this is a movement that feels like 
if someone says something different, even if they're anti-abortion or even if they're pro-life or whatever you want to call it, they feel like when somebody says something different, they're like, no, we can't, we can't, don't promote that. That's so different than what we're trying to do. No, no, no. Be free. Like You have a calling, fulfill your calling. Be free in that. And you may run into someone, you may run into that black woman that's like, oh, I just feel like people don't care about the plight of black America. You know, you feel like you only care about the pro-life movement. That's when you say, hey, have you heard of Sherilyn Holloway? (laughs) She, She is someone you can talk to because what you know for sure is that I will speak up about abortion. Like, you know that for sure. And you may not be able to reach them on the pro-black issue and you may not want to reach them on the pro-black issue because that may not be your thing. But you have someone to direct them to. If someone says to me, hey, Sherilyn, like... I feel it. And I'm also, you know, anti-war and anti, you know, I'm pro LGBTQ and I'm all these things. Where can I go? And I'm like, rehumanize. Like, that's where you need to go. Like, you know, LGBTQ for life. Like, that's where you need to go. Like, there's a place for you. It may not be my lane, but that doesn't mean that it's wrong. And I feel like that's the thing that kept me so long from, you know, from using my voice is this feeling that people the voices around me kept saying, you're wrong. Like, we don't need you. We don't need you. We need more people saying this. We need more people saying this, saying what we're saying. And it got to a point when the Ahmaud Arbery shooting happened and it finally came to life where I just feel like it was like the time is now. It's time is now. We People are hurting and they're hearing again the same thing. Like, oh, well, what did he do? What you know, and people are frustrated by that. Like mm-hmm. he didn't do anything that caused him to lose his life. And his at one point in time, he was an unborn child. I need you to fight for him now, just as you would have when he was in the womb. And if you can't do that, send the people to me. Sherilyn, thank you so much. I I, I don't think I have anything to add to that. Um, do you have anything that you would like to to promote? Where can we find you? How can we support your work? Oh, you can find me everywhere. <laughs> um, so I have um, a Facebook page is Pro Black Pro Life sixteen nineteen. Same thing Instagram at Pro Black Pro Life sixteen nineteen. Um, YouTube Pro Black Pro Life. Um, I do videos. They're really just like history based, little short snippet like lessons, things for you to think about. Um, where uh, you can email me at Sherilyn at ProBlackProLife.com I think that's it (laughs) I think those are all the places that you can find me I do there's also a a podcast uh, PBPL Conversations and um, which really is just me walking out what I am encouraging other people to do so it's like me showing you how do you have conversations with people that live in different areas or or have different viewpoints of you in your community um, and so uh, there's a conversation up right now with Christina Bennett there's a conversation up with Reagan Phillips who um, believes that you know the access that Planned Parenthood has given in our community, the black community in our neighborhood supersedes the you know what they do in abortion 
Um, and that's a conversation I feel like everyone should listen to. She's a dear friend of mine. Um, there's a conversation with MJ Xavier, who lives in the UK, and talking about what racism looks like over there and what abortion looks like over there. She's a, a black woman who has an amazing story. Um, and so I just, that's um, another place that you can find us. That's PBPL Conversations on like all of the podcast channels. Um, those are not edited herb. Like, <laughs> those are what I call, I said what I said uh, <laughs> podcast. Like, we could not do that. We, I am every day grateful that we have Maria Oswald on our staff who can edit out all of the ridiculous things that I say when I'm trying to come up with the questions that I really want to ask. I, I typically ask five the same five questions. That's my rule. That's what I think saves me is I typically try to ask the same five questions to every single person. Um, but there is a lot of foolishness and <laughs> a lot of like, wait, are we still recording? Can this be edited? No, it can't. I don't have those skills. I don't have a Maria. I don't have those skills. Sorry about your luck. Um, my YouTube videos are edited by Choose Life Marketing and the, the amazing production staff there. So I'm grateful for that because there are a lot of like <laughs> pauses in those where I'm like, I lose my train of thought. But um, as far as like the podcast, those are like completely real conversations that have happened from the time we log on to the time we log off. Um, and maybe one day I'll figure out how to add the intro and the outro. Maybe I won't. I don't know. <laughs> well, thank you so much. My pleasure. It's always a pleasure, Herb. I love you and I love everything that Rehumanize does. And I will continue to support you guys to the end of time. Absolutely. I can't wait to work together in the future. Thanks for tuning in to the Rehumanize podcast. To learn more, check out our website at rehumanizeintl.org or follow us on social media at rehumanizeintl.